Guys, it's Bang and Ang. We are the Mouthy Michiganders back. I guess you'd say it's a special episode of this Outlaws and Gunslingers. For the very first time, we have two different subjects. Well, not subjects, but two different, I guess, subjects. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> two different subjects, both cities, both with uh, mining um, originalities. Like and they all were. Booming, as usual. Um they were kind of short stories, short short descriptions of each town, so I decided to make it an actual full-length episode. Might as well fucking put two two, uh, two cities up there. Two for the price of two one. Two very different cities, but two of the same cities that popped up the same way that usually those towns in the West did. Some fucking type of mining shit was going on, and overnight, boom, you got a city. And sadly to say, for all everybody Woo! out there, there are no killings in this episode. What? Nobody will be... There's well, no moida? There's going to be people killed, but there's not going to be no fucking outright moida. No moidas. Every once in a while, you got to fucking just kick it to the cities that made the West what it was. Right. It can't always be fucking blood and gore and violence, man. I mean... So today, we're re- officially renaming this temporarily... Temporarily renaming this podcast, Outlaws, Gunslingers, and Boomtowns. No. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Temporarily for this episode and any other episode that doesn't involve killing in a town. <laughs> that actually has a good ring to it. Actually, Outlaws, outlaws Gunslingers, and Boomtowns. That's what yeah, but Outlaws and Gunslingers, we already did two episodes about towns. So how's that Outlaws and Gunslingers? Because those towns involve... Stories of outlaws and gunslingers doing shit in it. So this, is every town. This has none of that. Well, I'm sure something happened there. No. You can find some bad things. No. There's no ever no bad no. things <laughs> happened in Virginia City, Nevada. Dude, this I is seriously you, Some of you guys might be disappointed. If you're looking for blood, guts, shit, tales of people getting shot in the face, this one isn't for you. This is strictly history about these two towns and what happened. That's cool. Dig so, it. fucking tune off now or fucking keep listening. Yep. First city up, Virginia City, Nevada. I'm sure, actually, this city has popped up a lot in uh list of cities I've looked up. It was up a safe town, Bradley. It was a safe town. Virginia was City. It was a once bustling mining town in the late 1800s. Virginia City was heralded as the most important settlement between Denver and San Francisco. Nice. It, how many of those have we heard that of a that? A lot. Though? I mean, a lot. Hey, this town right here, Cimarron, is the most important town well, between Denver and San Francisco. Think about it. Las Vegas, Nevada, or no, <laughs> New Mexico, is the most important town from Denver and San Just Francisco. Think about it. Think about it, though, man. It's a big fucking country, and people are coming from all over. There's going to be cities here and there that's, that, that's going to be But only one can be the route. most important settlement. Not really. For yeah. that, that area, that's the most oh, important. Harold has the most important settlement between Denver and San Francisco that's in the like, time of its That's payday. like Gratiot Road being the most important road going from basically east and west of Michigan. No, it's not like that at all. Yeah, 46, you can no. take all the way to... No, because they always so, mention the same city between Denver and San Francisco. 
for the three cities I just mentioned. So how can all three of those cities be the most they, important in that in that route? They're in between Denver and San Francisco. <laughs> One of the oldest settlements in Nevada. <laughs> I mean, come on, you think there's more people are traveling in this route? They can't. They're not going to if they're traveling from like North Dakota. What's the cutoff line? Why for, would they go all the way down? The, what is the cutoff line for being between San Francisco and Cal or Denver? They just draw a line where Denver is all the way up. Yes. And then all the way up on San Francisco. So you could be way up yeah, north, but yeah. still traveling that point between Denver and San Francisco. And that would qualify. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. So you can't tell. No, yes. because it would be between Deadwood and San Francisco up north if you went farther up north. And between fucking Montreal and yeah, uh, from Can- Denver, Winnipeg from, and San Francisco. From Denver to San Francisco. That area. That stretch. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Yes. No. <laughs> I don't think so. If it is, then it's ignorant. Well, it's one of the oldest settlements in Nevada. It got its start when two miners by the names of Pat McLaughlin and Peter O'Reilly discovered gold at the head of Six Mile Canyon in 1859. Soon, another miner named Henry Comstock stumbled upon their find and claimed it was on his property. Oh, this is my shit. Well, McLaughlin and O'Reilly were like, oh, man, for real? And Henry is like, yep. That assured him a place in history when the giant Comstock load was named, according to folklore, James Fenimore, nicknamed Old Virginia Finney, christened the town when he tripped and broke a bottle of whiskey at a saloon entrance in the northern section of Gold Hill, soon to become Virginia City. Wow. Uh, however, the Comstock load would not be known for gold, but rather for its immensely rich silver deposits. You know what I noticed when you, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I noticed when you fucking do these episodes? <laughs> when you're doing shit, you're like, the Comstock load would not be known for gold, but rather for its immensely rich silver deposits. I don't know. I get, I don't know. It just gets me in the mood. Uh, Though the silver had initially been discovered in 1857 uh, <laughs> in Nevada by brothers Ethan and Jose Hosea. Hosea Grosh, they died before they could record their claims. They're like, man, that's guys. fucked up. How the uh, hell do they know? Maybe they found like um, the- journals. Everybody had journals back then. That's true. Though the miners rushed in, in after the discovery of gold, they were unable to get to it because of the heavy blue-gray clay that clung to, to picks and shovels. You say that by <laughs> I'm like, but boss, you can't. Blue gray clay. This heavy blue, blue gray, gray clay. You can't. Blue gray clay <laughs> is sticking to my picks and shovels. I'm having a hell of a day. They're with like, this blue gray clay. <laughs> <laughs> and the fucking guy's like, fucking get back to work. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Whatever uh, you say, I'll go lay by the bay. <laughs> uh, we can eat some hay. Today. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> However, when someone had the good sense to uh, uh, say the sticky mud, what to say? It was found to be worth 2000 a ton. A huge amount in those days. Okay. So when they finally got through the fucking clay, basically, to get to the um, gold at first, it was 2000 a ton. Right. Damn. Word of the discovery spread like wildfire. Fire and lured California gold miners in a reverse migration back over the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Two thousand <laughs> tons is not that good. A ton is a lot of gold. You realize how much two thousand was back in the day? A ton is a lot of gold, though. It's eighty grand. A ton is a lot. Of, that's nothing. Well, not now. That little piece of shit ring you're wearing is worth fifty bucks in gold. Yeah, but tons are different for gold and shit. It's like a half ton or something. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm pretty sure they big bear the ounce. Either or. <laughs> um, and within no time, a ramshackle town of tents and shacks was born. After the discovery of the Comstock load in 1859, the town developed seemingly overnight, as many do on the eastern slopes yeah. of Mount Davison, perched at a 6,200-foot elevation. Below the town were dug intricate tunnels and shafts for silver mining. The Comstock load, Comstock load discovery and subsequent growth of Virginia City was unequaled by the history of other precious metal discoveries. Wow. Precious metal discoveries. Precious metal discoveries, yeah. That's cool. So no fucking town grew as much after right. finding a fucking well, silver, precious metal. Silver is, is, is just as important as gold. It's just not as bad. Well, as you'll see in a couple sentences. By 1876, Nevada produced over half of all the precious metals in the United States. The Comstock produced silver and gold ore valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars annually. The wealth supported the northern cause during the American Civil War and flooded the world monetary markets, resulting in economic changes. Awesome. Virginia City literally fucking um, supplied the fucking nation its wealth, dude. Right. Virginia was like a major... This isn't Virginia. I mean, uh... Nevada. Yeah, Nevada was like a major fucking, uh... It was like a, a setting stone to California, basically. Trip out west, bud. Yeah, you had to go to Nevada first. Well, I'm saying, though, that part right... I mean, it all works from there on out. If Nevada didn't work out, there would be no L.A. without Chinese. Because them motherfuckers would have found it. They did. Well, they did, obviously. Right. We already uh, discovered on the first episode, I think it was, where the first known people in California were fucking... Uh, Japanese, Indians and Chinese, uh, Chinese. And not Indians, they're all Mexican. Well, Indians. Well, grubby prospectors, prospectors became instant millionaires. Famous men like William Ralston and George Crocker, who had found the Bank of California, uh, Leland Stanford and George Hearst and John McKay. Old and George, William, old George Hearst, huh? Yeah. Got into the, uh, yeah. going out there and fucking George Hearst, Virginia City, yeah. and William Flood. Made their fortunes in Comstock mining. Mm. They seen something there and they got it done, which is great because you got all those people in this little town making it great again. (laughs) (laughs) Or it can't be again because it never was. Making it great (laughs) once and for all. (laughs) Soon mansions, imported furniture, fashions from Mm -hmm. Europe, and all the finest food, drink, and entertainment were commonplace here in this little town of Virginia City. Uh, Virginia City quickly rivaled San Francisco in size and excess. This is the seventh time I've heard that, too. Everything rivals San Francisco in well, size and excess. Well, excess. Uh, all the new wealth caught the eye of President Abraham Lincoln, who needed gold and silver to pay for Civil War expenses on the 2nd of March in 1861. Nevada became a territory. He was like, fuck that. We need that motherfucker. Make them part of the Union. Statehood came just three years later on the 31st of October in 1864, uh, even though it did not contain enough people to constitutionally <laughs> authorize statehood. Uh, Lincoln was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, guess what? We still got a year left of this war. Well, we didn't know a year yet. But you're our state. We're still in this war. Yeah, you're, you're, you're part of the Union now. <laughs> Virginia City would be considered the birthplace of the pen name of Mark Twain. All right. As it was here in February 1863 that writer Samuel Clemens, then a reporter for the local Territorial Enterprise newspaper, first used the nom de plume. Nom de plume. Nickname, guys. Nickname. Yes. Or uh, pen, alias, name. Pen, pen name. Pen name. 
Clemens lived in Virginia City and wrote for the Enterprise from late fall 1862 to May of 1864 when he escaped from a potential duel instigated by a local newspaper editor upset at Clemens' reporting. Oh, fucking newspaper guys are fucking dueling. Right. <laughs> Clemens returned to the Comstock region twice on Western lecture tours, once in 1866 where he was mugged on the divide. Uh, the muggers relieved Clemens of his watch and his money. Well, the robbery turned out to have been a practical joke played on Clemens by his friends. He did not appreciate the joke. He did retrieve his belongings, particularly his gold watch worth mm. $300. Damn right. Which had great sentimental value. I bet it did. Clemens mentions this as an incident in his book, Roughing It, in 1872. Apparently still pissed off about oh, it. Oh, yeah. He's like, what motherfucker. Fuck this shit. Motherfucking watch. Uh, engineers made amazing breakthroughs, though, to facilitate the silver removal. They're like, dude, we got to get this out. We got to get it out efficiently. Get Check this out. Like, oh, damn. Uh, new honeycomb square set timbers became the industry standard to shore up mine shafts. They're like, check this shit out. Fucking bees can do it. We can do it. Uh, water pipes were stretched from. The- <laughs> you ever notice how? You ever notice how beehive so strong? I don't know. I'm like honey. George Bush. You ever know why bees beehive so strong? Because <laughs> they got honeycombs. Got honeycombs. Uh, water pipes were stretched from the Lake Tahoe Basin. <laughs> Basin, we're going. Where you guys going? Going to Lake Tahoe, Basin. Go to the Basin. Going to the Basin. Water pipes were stretched from Lake Tahoe Basin to provide over two million gallons of fresh mountain water daily. Holy shit, dude! It's crazy. A four-mile-long tunnel was blasted from solid rock by Adolf Sutro to drain over ten million of the gallons of boiling rancid water per day. From the lower levels of the mines. It's crazy. Mm, they had hot springs down there. Right. Well, the miners working at the Comstock load is extremely dangerous as they faced cave-ins, fires, underground flooding. Uh, the water temperature and deeper levels would rise to more than 100 degrees, guys. That's fucking nuts. That's almost boiling. Well, 112 degrees off of boiling, but yeah. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> halfway to boiling. And often when miners penetrated through rock. Ooh, now that would hurt. Steam and scalding water would pour into their tunnel. 120 degrees is almost boiling, not 220. 212 is boiling. I don't think it's 212. Yes. Dude. Hmm. Yeah, 212. <laughs> Just I knew it. that. <laughs> uh, in 19- 1869, William Sharon and William Ralston built the Virginia and Truckee Railroad to haul ore from the Virginia City mines to the ore mills along the Carson River in the valley below and to the east of Carson City. Known as the crookedest railroad in the world oh. due to its dizzying descent of 1,600 feet and 13 miles. Damn. Holy shit, dude. 1,600 feet and 13, 13 miles, miles is like nothing. That's like that. Yeah. Yeah, the railroad would then return with wood and supplies to Virginia City. But by the 1870s, over $230 million had been produced by the mines, and Virginia City was continuing to grow. That's mm. a lot of fucking money, dude. That's a billion dollars. That's a lot. At the peak of its glory around 1876, Virginia City was a boisterous town with many businesses operating 24 hours a day. Right. At that time, the boom town sported some 30,000 residents, mm. 150 saloons, at least five police precincts, a thriving red light district, three churches, hotels, restaurants, 10 different fire departments, damn, its own water, electric and gas systems, and numerous other businesses. Holy shit. The thriving community also provided various types of entertainment, including Shakespeare plays and dances at Piper's Opera House, which continues to stand, as well as opium dens, dog fights, and more than 20 theaters and music halls. Damn. Its international hotel was six stories high and boasted the West's first elevator called the Rising Room. Nice. 
Dude, fucking Virginia City was like invented all this shit. It's fucking crazy. Uh, but like other mining boom towns, Virginia City would eventually become to begin to decline. Mm. By 1877, from the time it was first established through its decline, Virginia City suffered five widespread fires. Damn. The worst of which was dubbed the Great Fire of 1875. October 26, 1875 fire caused $12 million in damage. Uh, the, the spectacle beggar's description. The world was on fire. A square mile of roaring flames. When a church caught fire, McKay was heard to say, Damn the church! We can build another if we can keep the fire from going down these shafts. Whoa. What kind of shafts? Like all kinds of shit, huh? Mine shafts? <laughs> right. Um, though the con Virginia Ofer hoisting works burned, the fire did not penetrate the con Virginia shaft. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, it did not uh, penetrate the shaft. And only reached 400 feet into the Ofer shaft. Railroad cars were melted. Brick buildings went down like paper boxes. 2,000 people were left homeless. In the ensuing months, the city was rebuilt. A majority of the area now designated as the National Historic Landmark Historic District. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, dates to this later time period. However, the Bonanza period was at the end of 1880. The Bonanza period was at an end by 1880. Right. The Comstock load was fully mined by 1898, and the city once again took a sharp decline. During the years 1859 to 1919, more than $700 million in gold and silver taken from the mines of the Comstock load were taken from the mines of the Comstock load. By 1920, there were just a few small operations in business, and by 1930, only about 500 people lived in the community. Oh, jeez. Today, the historic community is a national historic landmark designated as such in 1961. It now boasts about 1,000 residents, and though a shadow of its former self, it draws more than 2 million viewer or visitors per year. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Numerous historic buildings continue to stand, including Piper's Opera House, which still entertains customers today, and the Fourth Ward School built in 1876, which is, still, uh, which is utilized today as a museum. Numerous other mansions also continue to stand, which provides visitors of the sophisticated and lush lifestyle of these long-ago residents, and the Virginia and Truckee Railroad runs again from Virginia City to Gold Hill. Nice. The landmark is the largest federally designated historical district in America, and it's maintained in its original condition. C Street, the main business street, is lined with 1860s and 1870s buildings housing specialty shops, restaurants, bed and breakfasts, and casinos. Every fucking Old West Town has casinos, dude. As a federally designated National Historic District, it is illegal to dig for artifacts, remove any found items yep. from the community, or mistreat any property. Wow, I want to see this place. I'm sure there's pictures. Besides that, that's back then. I want to see it now. Yeah, alright. That was the first of our city's boomtown of the episode. <laughs> all about Virginia City. As you can see, some interesting shit. Virginia City actually was... Uh, even though no man, not many fucking, I'm sure there were gunfights, but none notable. I'm sure shit happened, mm, but nothing probably. notable. So, but it still ended up being a vital part of the fucking West and uh, the nation as it proved to be supplying uh, half of the cities or the country's fucking precious metals. Right. Good stuff. Crazy shit. Moving on to Bodie, California. Similar mining situation. However, this one was a little bit more, not as, uh, 
not as jazzed up as fucking uh, Virginia City. It was a genuine gold mining town located east of the Sierra Nevada mountain range in Mono County, California. When mining began to decline along the western slope of the Sierra Nevada, prospectors began to cross the eastern slope in search of their fortunes. One man named William, a.k.a. Waterman, S. Bodie, discovered gold near a place that is now called Bodie Bluff in 1859. Mm. What the fuck is a bluff? Right. Alas, the poor man died in a snowstorm that very winter and never saw the new town that would be named after him. Mm. Though one legend attributes the change of spelling to an illiterate sign painter, the citizens deliberately changed the spelling in order to ensure correct pronunciation. Yeah, okay. So it was changed from E-Y to I-E. I get it. I get it. Well, in 1861, the Bunker Hill Mine was established as well as a mill. Though the camp was called home to only about 20 miners, Bodie grew slowly and remained an, uh, an insignificant mining camp for 17 years. <laughs> so yeah, that's just Bodie. That's not a fucking Bodie. Bodie. The, the Bunker Hill Mine and Mill on the west slope of Bodie Bluff uh, changed hands several times during the years before being sold for to four partners in 1877. The name was changed to the Standard Mining Company. And within months, the partner discovered a significant vein hmm. of rich gold ore. Yeah, about some shit. Yeah, nuts. Well, these guys were professionals, right. clearly. They're a standard mining company. They come in and like, I know exactly yeah. where to look. You guys are these fucking guys are idiots. stupid. I'll give you ten bucks. <laughs> Sold! Profits rose dramatically. In the end of 1878, Brody's population had soared to <laughs> some 5,000 people. Brody's. Not Brody's. <laughs> Brody's. <laughs> Bodie's Bodie's population soared to about five grand. Ooh, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Five thousand people. Well, it was like a hundred twenty miners, twenty miners, yeah. and their families. So maybe fifty people, or yeah, just the only miners. about twenty miners. Just the miners. Uh, the Standard Mine would yield nearly fifteen million dollars in gold over the next twenty-five fucking years. These guys came in and was like, "Check this shit out, guys." Oh damn, that's cool. Still original. Awesome. Yeah. It's a ghost town now. Mm. During the winter of 1878 to 79, Bodie citizens saw some rough times. Usually savage, the winter claimed hundreds of lives from exposure and disease. Falling timber in the mines and the explosion of a powder magazine took additional lives. Miners, gamblers, and businesses continued to flood the area, and by 1879, Bodie boasted a population of about 10,000 and 2,000 buildings. Before long, the town supported some 30 gold mines, 65 saloons, numerous brothels, gambling halls, opium dens, as well as a number of legitimate businesses, including three newspapers, several churches, a couple of banks, and a school. 65 saloons for 10,000 people? That's a lot. Dude, that's all people had to do. There was no water. People drank beer. There was water. No. Not fresh water. People had their wells and shit. There's fresh water. Every uh, other building on the mile-long Main Street was a saloon. <laughs> Three breweries worked day and night while whiskey was brought into the town into town in 100-gallon barrels. Mm. Motherfuckers were drinking. You ain't kidding. Well, like many booming mining camps, Bodie soon, Bodie soon earned a reputation for violence and lawlessness. Here we go, boys. <laughs> Don't go to Bodie. Mm-mm. Yeah, there go. People shooting out the feet. Dance. Uh, killings were sometimes daily events and robberies, <laughs> stage holdups, and street fights were common occurrences in the camp. Mm. In its day, Bodie was more widely known for his lawlessness than for its riches. Of Bodie, the Reverend F.M. Warrington would describe it in 1881 as a sea of sin. 
lashed by the tempest of lust and passion. Mm. R.F. Ram Warrington, <laughs> 1881. Given Bodie's reputation, it is perhaps not surprising that one little girl whose family was moving to the mining town reportedly prayed, Goodbye, God. We're going to Brody. <laughs> We're going to Bodie. Uh, Brody. <laughs> Brody. Yeah. Bodie. Oh, Bodie. Sorry, Bodie. <laughs> Bodie needed milled wood. Bodie. For... Isn't Bodie one of the... Bodie uh, from yeah. fucking... Um... Uh, yeah. No. Oh, uh, Bodie from uh, Giovanni. Hey, it's me, Giovanni. A Bodie. Come here, a Bodie. <laughs> yeah, Bodie. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were referring to uh, Point Blank, Point Break. Bodie. Bodie. His name's Bodie. Fucking um, Patrick Swayze's character. His name's Bodie. Bodie. Uh, Bodie. He's a surfer. I didn't know it was Bodie. Bank robber. Bodie. Bodie. You you never seen Point Break? Ain't seen it. Despicable. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Nick Nolte. Yeah. Is it Nick Nolte? Mm-hmm. Bodie needed milled wood for construction. <laughs> Bodie! <laughs> mine shaft beams and heating. However, there were few trees in the area. Soon, several businessmen formed the Bodie and Benton Railroad in 1881 for the sole purpose of transporting lumber. Like other railroads in the West, the Bodie and Benton Railroad hired inexpensive Chinese labor, Ooh. much to the outrage of locally unemployed miners. By 1882, the 32-mile-long railroad was in service between Bodie and Mono, Mono Mills along the east shore of Mono Lake. Though the metal rails have long since been sold as scrap, hmm. you can still see the old railroad grade not far from the remote eastern shores of Mono Lake. Sweet. Why would they remove them? All right. Well, many immigrants and ex-miners homesteaded around Mono Lake in the hopes of making a simple living off the land. They're like, well, fucking everybody's gone. Let's just... Chill around here, guys, and I don't think it's not when everybody was gone. Check it out, right? I say everybody's gone. Why are they gone? Yeah, they ain't no way around the lake, are they? They run it. They run the lake. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many immigrants and ex-miners homesteaded around Mono Lake in the hopes of making a simple living off the land. Early Mono Basin uh, ranchers often had plentiful food and and stock. And provided supplies to the local mining towns of Bodie and Lundy. Mm. I wonder how bad Lundy was. <laughs> the, the, uh, the boom was over just four short years later. And by 1882, <laughs> Bodie started to decline. Oh, don't they all? Like they all do. Its population dropped so much. It was, how much did it? It dropped $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> The population dropped $3,000. All right. The population dropped from 10000 to 3000 as several several small mining companies went bankrupt and began to leave the area in search of better opportunities. Like, this shit is dried up. Let's go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Prior to 1882, there were no churches in Bodie. However, there were two preachers, Reverend Hinkle, a Methodist, and Father Casson, a Catholic. Hmm. Services were held in private homes and later in the IOOF. Or the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> Building and You guys want a place for your Laura? We're gonna call you the Odd Fellows. The Odd Fellows. The I O O F Building and the Miners Union Hall. Despite the decline of the mines, both a Methodist church and a Catholic church were built in eighteen eighty two. The Catholic Church would not survive the later fires of Bodie, but the Methodist Church still stands and there it is. Hmm. Turned the Catholic Church down, but not the Methodist. <laughs> wow. 
The two major minds, the Bodhi and the Standard, emerged in 1887. They didn't emerge. Merge. They merge. <laughs> they emerge. <laughs> they emerged. They, 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 like, <laughs> they were already emerged. Yeah. They merged together and continued to operate successfully for the next two decades. While the boom lasted, uh, some 30 companies produced $400,000 in ore per month Damn. for an overall total estimate of 90 to $100 million. They were, they were making bang. They were. In 1892, a fire ravaged much of the business, much of the business district, further depleting Bodie's population. Yeah. Oh, Additional boy. mines began to close. However, the very next year, Bodie became one of the first mining camps to use electricity. That's crazy. Another fire destroyed the mill in 1898, but it was rebuilt the following year. By 1950, most of the important mines were controlled by James Stewart Kane, who had arrived in Bodie when he was just 25 years old. So this guy was like, "This is falling. I gotta take. I gotta, I gotta I guess, get it. I'm gonna well, soon take after over his, the city." Look at that guy. He looks like a fucking. I'm taking over everything. Yeah, soon after his arrival, he entered the lumber business, transporting timber on uh, barges across Mono Lake. He would grow so successful that he would eventually own the Bodie Bank, lease the Mono Lake Railroad and Lumber Company. Became the town's principal property owner and the mm. owner of the Standard Mill. However, the Standard Mill was closed around 1960, 1916, and just a year later, the Bodie and Benton Railroad Railway was abandoned. Yeah, so it's all falling apart for this guy. Yeah, what do you mean? He tr- I mean, he tried. He get, arrived in. He, he tried, but there's so much you only so much you can do. He took every business he could that was fa- that was doing okay, good. Okay, so by 1950 he owned all- 1915 yeah. he owned all of it. 1916 they all closed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but he had to last around for well, a little good while. Good for him. 1932, another devastating fire caused by a two and a half year old boy playing with <laughs> matches <laughs> destroyed 95 percent of Bodie's building. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine uh, being that kid growing up? I burnt down a whole damn town. Look at two that town. It's gone. That's fucking nuts. Though Bodie's, Bode, Bodie's buildings, right? <laughs> <laughs> Though Bodie was already dying, further decline resulted from prohibition and the Great Depression. While some mining continued, there were no new strikes, and companies eked out only minor profits. They're like, mm. we're getting shit, yeah, but it's not something. worth our time. Yeah. Largely by using the cyanide process to extract gold from oil from old tailings. So they're like. They're finding, like, rocks on the fucking right. ground and just, like, using uh, cyanide to fucking yeah. melt the rock away. Basically. Right. And see if we can get a piece of gold here and there <laughs> out of there. Yeah, it's fucked up. However, a few people continued to live in Bodie until after World War II when the last producing mine, the Lucky Boy, was shut down. They're like, dude, we've done all we can do. We can't do anything. We can't do anymore. By then, only six people were left in the old sediment, and five of these would soon die of untimely deaths. Oh, shit. Wow. Got some deaths for you guys now. Come on, perk up, people. All right. First, one of the men shot his wife, and after she died, three men killed the murdering husband. Oh, shit. According really? to the legend, the ghost of the murdered man would visit the three men shaking his fist. <laughs> you sons of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sons of bitches. <laughs> you went and killed me, damn it. <laughs> you son... You fucking over whore. <laughs> she didn't make me hamburgers, damn it. What do you want me to do? <laughs> oh, jeez. Soon, though. <laughs> like, can you picture this? A dude's fucking, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Dude's going down the hallway to the bathroom. All of a sudden, he just sees the shadow. <laughs> you, son, <laughs> you fucking son of a bitch. You motherfucker. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, Cole. <laughs> he, he would just shake his fist. That's just fuck, what are these guys' names? Uh, fuck you, owners. They didn't have names, I guess. <laughs> 
Fuck you, guy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, man who murdered me. Oh, you see me every day. <laughs> Shaking my head. Yeah, that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> you didn't butter your toast all the way? Jeez, <laughs> 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 oh, oh, Peter Whitaker. Uh, by the end of the 1940s, Bodie was a ghost town. Uh, Nothing left. And uh, was visited only by tourists interested in Not his terrorists. <laughs> tourists. 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 Knuckleheads. Oh, knucklehead. All these knucklehead tourists. Them tourists in America. All them tourists. Knucklehead. He is history. In 1962, after years of neglect, Bodie became a state historic park. They're like, mm, what are we going to do? Make it a park. Okay. Why would they even make it a well, I guess it's. So that means that the people go there and maintain it and all that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Love it! <laughs> and two years later, the ghost town of Bodie was dedicated as a California historic site. So now it's got fucking precedent now. Yeah. It's also designated as a national historic site. Nice. It's present day. Oh, there are many legends. Imagine riding up on a horse in that. That's fucking awesome. That's a decent looking city. Look how far it goes. About a block and a half. <laughs> <laughs> there are many legends about Bodie, including the Bodie Curse. Supposedly, if visitors take anything from this old ghost town, even a pebble, they will be cursed with bad luck. Misfortune and tragedy are heaped upon the victim until the stolen item is returned. Mm. According to park rangers, many who have taken things eventually return them to the park to rid themselves of this curse. Uh. Purportedly, purportedly, the park maintains a logbook of pages and pages of returned items. In the museum, you can see the letters from people who have returned items to the park. The curse is supposedly perpetrated by the go- the ghosts of Bodhi who guard against thieves and protects its treasures. Mm. Some believe that the curse is nothing more than a superstition pep- per- pep- perpetrated perpetrated by the park rangers to preserve Bodhi as a historic site. Well, it's genius because clearly people are fucking taking shit back. Right. Yeah, perpetrated by the park rangers to preserve Bodhi as a historic site. Awesome. Right. Well, fuck, dude. Other ghostly legends have occurred in this town, too. That's said to be truly... Truly, this is a ghost town. Yeah. Remaining home to several restless spirits. Oh, this place is like, you go there, I can just, I can just, like right now, if I was walking by myself in the daylight looking at this house, I would be convinced somebody's in there. Yeah, for sure. I would be convinced. And I was like. Looks like somebody's peeking out the window right there. Right. Let's hurry up and get this over with. (laughs) Uh, The J.S. Kane house at the corner of Green and Park Streets is said to be haunted by the ghost of a Chinese maid. Oh, man. Families of the park rangers who have occupied the house describe the spirit as not liking adults, but loves little children. Mm, she's a maid. Makes sense. Yeah, she's a Hollywood. She's from Hollywood. <laughs> adults sleeping in the house have said they will wake in the middle of the night to find heavy set Chinese women sitting on them. Oh, shit. Damn. Eating fucking uh, noodles, <laughs> noodles, even ramens, feeling suffocated. One woman fought so fucking hard that she ended up on the floor, breathing frantically, fucking sweating. Her uh, fucking ridiculous. So would that be? So she wouldn't be qualified as like a succubus. It's just fucking a ghost of a Chinese maid sitting on them. Right. Like succubuses get on you and like fucking cave in your chest almost. Well, basically that's what that's doing. I guess right. Right. Uh, others have reported seeing the bedroom door opening and closing on its own. Okay. Uh, the Gregory house is also said to be haunted by the ghost of an old woman. Guests and staff have reported seeing her sitting in a rocking chair, knitting, knitting an afghan. Ooh. What are you doing? Knitting an afghan. What's it fucking look like? What's it fucking look like? 
to me a whiskey. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like normal, and then fucking her face is all demon. Give me a whiskey. <laughs> Other times, the rocket chair has been seen rocking on its own accord. Mm. Like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the men, the Mendocini house is called home to several, several friendly ghosts. Mm. Not one of them's named Casper. No. One is thought to be Mrs. Men, Men, Mendocini, who loved to cook her Italian food. Rangers report today that they often smell the delicious aroma of her cooking when they enter the house. Well, I love that. Others have reported party-like sounds coming from the next room and laughter of children. At the DeChambeau house, visitors have seen a woman peering from an upstairs window. Ooh, and that could be out. Would. You're just standing on the street right. and look up. Right. Well, Bodie Cemetery is the angel of Bodie. It sits there. It's a three-year-old child that was said to have been accidentally killed when she was hit in the head by a miner's pick. Aww. It's fucked up. Her grave is mounted with a white marble angel. And on one occasion, a man visiting the cemetery with his little girl noticed that she was giggling and seemingly playing with an unseen entity. Mm. I mean, I don't think that would be there. Your body don't go to your grave where you die. Is, I, if if there is ghost in the world, where you die is where your your body, where your ghost will be. Who says she can't go to her grave? It's in the same town where she died. I don't think you just travel like that. I think you stay in that vicinity. I don't think so. You can go wherever you want. It's a ghost. You think so? Why not? She wouldn't be at a grave. Why not? This is my fucking. It's a, there's there's this little girl that was my age and her dad looking at my fucking tombstone. I'd go to see my grave. Why not? You see it once, you're not going to always be there. You never know. That's where you're going to hang out at your grave. <laughs> you never know. Who's going to come see me today? I got eternity. <laughs> I got eternity to wait here. I'm fucking, fucking hang out here, bud. <laughs> fucking hang out. I'm going to fuck some shit up later. <laughs> right. It's daytime. In the daytime, they hang at the grave. And then at nighttime, that's when they fuck with people. And go open some fucking gates and let those cows out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, today, Bodie is one of the largest and best-preserved ghost towns in the West. It's over 200 buildings are maintained in a state of what is termed arrested decay. So, like, we're not doing anything to it. We're not doing anything to it, basically. No. I don't think they're keeping it's it It's maintained and arrested decay. I would assume that means it's, they're fucking... They're old go. as fuck. We're not going to touch them. We're yeah. just going to keep them good as long. And then if they yeah. fucking collapse, they collapse. They collapse, they collapse. Many original items are displayed in these old buildings. When people moved out after the fire of 1932, they packed what they could to get the fuck out. They're like, we got to go. Leave this shit. The rest was just left behind. Only about 10% of the original buildings still stand, though. So, However, what is left looks much the same as it did over 50 years ago when the last residents left. So, it was like a fucking uh, apocalypse hit, and they're fucking boom. Gone. Done. Chernobyl. Well, there are no permanent residents in the town except park employees. In this original ghost town, you will find no tourist traps, restaurants, or recreated saloons. The only business is the Bodie Museum, which is free to the public and offers books, postcards, and other souvenirs. Along the west slope of Bodie Bluff, you can see the standard mine and mill. Most There's not even the, a gas station or anything? Nope. Really? Why would there be? I mean, why not? Most of the inner workings are still intact, some of which the public can see during a guided mill tour during summer months. The Bodie State Park is open year-round, weather permitting. At an elevation of almost 9,000 feet, some connecting roads may be closed in the winter. The Bodie Museum, located in the old Miners Union Hall building, is open from May through October. Near the Nevada border, Bodie is 50 miles south of Lake Tahoe. 
Seven miles south of Bridgeport off of Highway 395. Nice. In case anybody's interested in going to fucking nice. Bodie, California. Bodie sounds... I don't know. Out of these two that we just did today, Bodie which sounds... one would you rather live in? Which ones would I rather? The rich fucking uh, Virginia City that had everything that you could ever need, or Bodie that had half of it, but still had everything that fucking Virginia City had. Yeah, but Bodie, it sounded like... I don't want to live in a place where... You're constantly on edge. That place you're on Bodie edge. Bodie was lawless. Yeah, you don't want nothing like that. Virginia City seemed to be, yeah. we're just here to mine well, and make well, some hey, money, man. Hey, man, we're living a life, bud. We're working. It's like your normal town today. But was Bodie any more fucking uh, dangerous than your normal town today? Between the two? They uh, had 10,000 residents. 10,000 residents, and I guess. Just picture this. Bodie had 10,000 residents at their peak. Fucking Virginia City had upwards over 30,000. Right, so. right. So... I don't know. I'd pick Bodie. Bodie yeah, seems... I would not pick Bodie. Bodie seems cool. Yeah. Bodie seems you're dead. <laughs> Unless you get hit in the head accidentally with an axe, you're fucking good. I think so, right? Uh, I think it was bad. <laughs> That's going to do it for Outlaws and Guns... Outlaws, Gunslingers, and Boomtowns. Boomtown. Hope you guys enjoyed this double header of Two Towns histories that weren't worthy enough for one episode, so scrunch them together. Two very different towns, obviously. Two right. very same towns in the right. same uh, vein. Two so, different. They're different, but yet they're the same. Exactly. One in the same. But yeah, they're one in the they're same. One in the same. Yeah. It's not always going to be about murdering and fucking no. uh, all this robbery and thievery and gambling and shit. Even though I'm sure fucking uh, Bodie had its tails, but <clears throat> oh, I'm sure none were significant enough to tell. Apparently, so right. Yeah. That's going to do it for fucking us, Outlaws, Gunslingers, and Boomtown, specially named episode. We'll be back Monday for another episode of the Monday Night Watch Along. We had sports history. We did. And we had a new music history. We did. Classic rock history, rock history, whatever you want to call it. So we did. We're going to keep rolling on during this fucking... We did. Uh, during these... Tri- I want to rock! During these trying times. <laughs> trying times. My ass. My arse. We'll just leave it at that, because this ain't the show for that type of fucking shit. But, for now, and forever, we are. ACDC's playing in the background right now, guys. About to get fucking, fucking hyped, guys. I'm kidding. But yes! What are we... We are the mouthy Michiganders, man. Uh, bang and dang. Mm, six feet. Apart. Bang and dang! <laughs> <laughs>